welcome to the Capgemini Reinventing Retail podcast. My name is Raj Ganatra and this week we're going to be looking at the activities retailers have been focusing on as they look to be bound from the global COVID pandemic. We're joined by a number of our retail experts here at Capgemini who will all be providing their insight and expertise. With us today we've got Holly Nurse, Nick Honig and Yota Pavlo all specialising in retail operations and have recently been focusing on the response to COVID from retailers. We look forward to hearing more from them. So we've been in lockdown for several weeks now. We've seen several responses from retailers, from closing brick and mortar stores to shifting resources to create PPE equipment from the likes of Burberry. Are there any particular um, innovations that we've seen from retailers that have caught your attention? Yes, if I think of uh, if I think of grocery, the the big theme that grocers universal, big and small, have had to be dealing with is a huge surge in demand. Um, a huge amount of calorie consumption is now only through through grocery and through through home cooking rather than restaurants and the like. And so um, grocers, grocers far and wide have happened to be dealing with those huge demands in, in spikes in demand. Um, we've seen some really good innovations on, on how retailers are manage, managing some of that through quickly scaling up uh, online operations and, and scaling up forecasting. Um, we've also seen um, them, them innovate really well in, in managing queues and managing uh, in-store footfall. So we've started to see some come out with technology solutions to help that in the, the medium term um, to, to manage the numbers of people in, in stores to make sure that uh, customers and, and staff can, can stay safe. Um, but it's all really been about managing that, that huge upswing in demand um, that is across channel, um, but, uh, but is now starting to feel like it might be here to stay for, for a sustained period of time. Yeah, and then in on the high street and in, in fashion and general merchandise uh, retailing, things have been really different. So, you know, huge numbers of retailers have had their entire store estates closed. Uh, if they are non-essential retailers, uh, there's there's been a, a shift to online demand from the customer, uh, meaning big reactions in uh, digital fulfillment, um, warehouse safety being, you know, imperative but also trying to deal with increased volumes uh, of, of online order shipments uh, which has been a challenge for lots of retailers um, so very much a tale of two halves whether you're in grocery retail or in, in fashion and general merchandise really yeah and I think it's it's really relevant just how quickly a lot of this innovations had to take place so we've seen whole new divisions formed in a matter of weeks in order to meet the changing circumstances um, in the recent Capgemini COVID and the Consumer Report, we've had a look at how retailers can drive operational resilience and keep their focus on customer engagement despite these unprecedented times, um, largely focusing on convenience, health and safety and purpose. Um, in addition to these key themes as a consumer, what do you think retailers will be talking about? And how do we think they'll be preparing for the rebound? Yeah, so th- there's been a huge... Um, there would have been a huge effort over the last 10 weeks of lockdown on preparing for what rebound looks like and, and also preparing for what the new customer looks like um, because our shopping behaviours and our, our just wants and desires are going to be very different as stores reopen and, and as we become social beings again, slowly and steadily. So uh, retailers are pre- preparing in many ways Um to be really honest, one of one of the key things that's come come out through this whole lockdown period, especially in grocery, is uh, is how retailers really rely on um, 
knowing their customer, knowing what their customer wants, when the customer is going to be coming into the store, how often they're going to be coming into the store. As consumers, we have very predictable behavior or previously we've had very predictable behavior, but uh, what's happened during the pandemic and what is undoubtedly going to happen at after the pandemic is our, our customer and consuming behavior is going to change and has changed. And in the early weeks of lockdown, it seems a long time away, a long a time ago, but, you know, we had uh, toilet roll shortages and pasta shortages and all of those things. And that this just because what happened in the early weeks of lockdown is our consumer behavior changed so drastically. Supply chains are very fine tuned uh, things. And, 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 you know, simply it was a case of the retail, the retailers and their supply chains needing to adjust to new normals uh, or, or spikes in demand. Um, so what retailers are now trying to do is plan for what comes next and what rebound looks like and uh the focus very much uh, is going to be on helping them and, and and getting to understand what customers are going to be demanding so it is the rise in digital shopping going to remain we think probably it is uh we've been buying lots of sportswear in lockdown is that going to remain we think it probably is all sorts of uh retailers will be focusing on analyzing what the customer's been doing in lockdown and trying to predict what they're going to be doing in the future uh, I think I think one of the key things is uh, just to remember is the lead times that retailers work on. So uh, in general retail and in fashion, the likes of your Nexts, your Marks and Spencers, uh, they will be working uh, on buying products six months in advance, often from China or the Far East, uh, Bangladesh, Pakistan, places like that. And uh, uh, they've already bought all of their spring summer stock and they're as we went into lockdown, they were planning Christmas. So retailers are really having to work and adjust quickly to work out actually what stock are they going to need when they rebound and what stock are they going to need even up until Christmas because the economic uh, impact of the disruption, you know, we know is here to stay. Yeah, and I think crucially, there's only so much that they can do given it's also unprecedented so when they're trying to look at customer behavior or get some form of data and insights in how they can tailor their operations going forward i think it will only have potentially it won't be a complete picture given you know we don't know what's going to happen in the future um no that's it there's a there's a really nice fact which is um about Christmas trade. And uh, I remember anecdotally being told Marks and Spencers can typically predict how many mince pies they're going to sell on Christmas Eve based on how many mince pies they sell on November the 15th, for instance. We're really predictable normally and we really aren't now. Uh, so retailers are going to use start to use new and different data sources to help them plan and predict what's going to happen so social data what are we doing on social media we'll start playing into their plans uh conversation type data a search data what are we searching on google that kind of stuff they'll start looking at that and start predicting what's going to happen uh and they'll also be keeping close eye on macroeconomic indicators just to give them a pitch as to you know are we going to be spending as much or you know, how much more are we, how much less are we going to be spending, uh, you know, next month, in the next three months, in the next six months than we were maybe last year. You raise really good points there, Holly, in terms of the the, the new sources of data that people are going to need to look at and, and how to interpret those. I guess um, probably uh, alongside that, what's going to be critical is, is speed. 
in terms of acting on these and making different decisions. This is a really fluid environment and it's only really just started. I think we've got a long way to go and for the rest of 2020 for, for COVID to evolve and customers' reactions to evolve. So um, what retailers can read into some of some of the data they'll need to act upon because three months or six months' time following on from that, it could be different. What they can do is is there will be some things they can dust off from previous playbooks about recessions um, and and how customers change their habits as uh, as spending as um as overall macroeconomics changes, which is uh, what it's uh, what I think everyone is predicting. So that obviously needs to be updated 2008, not 2020. Um, but uh, there's some there's I'm sure some uh, some lessons there that retailers can can update and uh, and look to to help them with their scenario planning as they they look forward. Yeah. And let's be honest, this data-driven retailing and insight-driven retailing is not a new thing. This is, you know, pure play uh, online retailers, the likes of Amazons, they've been doing this. This is their business models are based on, you know, data and insight and making decisions, business decisions based on, uh, you know, data and insight. But what is going to happen now and what is going to change is we're going to see the more traditional retailers starting to rely on that that kind of information as well. I think central to obviously the retail operations is just how will they start to open their stores effectively? Um, what do we think retailers will be doing in this regard? It's a really difficult one, isn't it? I think um, so considering this isn't how retailers typically uh, typically ever plan to operate. Uh, lots of thinking has been going into this, I think, so far across the board. Um, and from a reopening perspective, the big questions retailers are looking at is, should we reopen all of our estate? Or was there some stores that were struggling in a pre-COVID environment that now if we're expecting subdued demand, we just don't reopen? So I think we'll see um, some retailers not reopen their full estates. And I think then quickly everyone's working through the, the question of, do we reopen all at once? Do we reopen in phases? Do we reopen by geography or by business readiness? And do we open with a full offer or not? Um, I think a number of those conversations are, are coming to a conclusion as, as we start to get an indication that that may be sooner rather than later. Um, and of course, the grocers who have been open have, have helped show the way in terms of what customer expectations are and staff expectations are around safe working. I think probably the bigger challenge now is um, looking past the looking past the, the bouncers on doors and the um, sticky tape on the floors, and thinking through if this is here to stay, and if and if social distancing and expectations around that are here to stay for 2020 and potentially beyond, um, how are we going to manage this in the medium term? Um, the grocers have indicated. Um, as as have Amazon, as an example, they've indicated they're taking on a fair amount of additional operational cost in working in in, in slightly different ways with regards to social distancing and, and managing operations in that aspect. I think we're going to see a lot of retailers look to technology solutions to see how they can how they can support that, whether it be managing volumes in a managing people volumes in a um, in a warehouse or in a shop. Um, and, and trying to help people maintain distance, whether it's looking at new ways to pay, new ways to fulfill, and managing online demand and managing online and supporting online growth and using stores for that. That's kind of the second half of the conversation that I think is going to um, quickly dwarf anything else about reopening. Um, the reopening playbook won't disappear um, over the course of the summer because I think everyone will be thinking 
Um, if we if we lock down again, you know, nationally or geographically or, or however it may be, we need a good rapid way of being able to open up smartly. But I think it's a much more about that medium term. How do we make this sustainable? Um, if it is here to stay for at least a little while. Yeah, and I think we're going to be seeing some really innovative uh, ways to physically shop come out because let's be really honest, before the COVID pandemic, you know, high street footfall was really down. Uh, we were all talking about what the news way, new ways to shop were going to be and, and how consumers were going to, were going to change and, and the expectations of physical stores was evolving quite rapidly. But there's been some some great innovations come out through this pandemic which you can see come you can see staying so a couple of examples of that is in the luxury sector they've been engaging just directly via the phone or via web chats with customers uh, to keep personal relationships relationships open and also to generate sales so almost like virtual um private shopping experiences and then just even simple retailers like Neptune's a home retailer in the UK their stores are open or opening soon but by appointment only so all of a sudden it's not just luxury that all of a sudden giving a very personalized one-on-one service and what will happen then is is instead of stores being high footfall low basket sizes we might start seeing stores open by appointment or just with you know, minimal customers in, but when customers do visit stores, they buy in bulk, they buy a large basket or high high ticket price items. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I think we will see an evolution of the high street, which is going to be great. Yeah, Holly, I think with the innovations, we've seen a few retailers um, last week rolling out a few initiatives as well. Um, we've seen a grocery retailer creating a WhatsApp group um, where you can text and tell them what time you're going to visit the store and they will reply and say whether it's a quiet time to visit or not um, or having click and collect deliver straight to your car um, or as you said using augmented reality to do virtual sessions and customer service so definitely a lot of innovation happening. And what do we think in terms of how retailers will then have to manage their stock as a result of all of this? Yeah, that's an interesting one, is it? So Holly, you alluded a little bit to it, that behavior, shopping behaviors are changing. Um, so looking ahead will be a tricky situation, but um, looking at the current stock as well is a big challenge. Um, it's no secret that a lot of the retailers have been left with piles of stock that is out of season now. Um, and a lot of them have turned into online selling, um, which has grown massively over the last few weeks. Um, but there's a few retailers that obviously have not had that option and that capability. Um, we've heard the likes of Primark um, quoting the levels of stock that they will have to uh, potentially write off um, or keep in, in their warehouses. Um, and there's different ways of doing it. It's not going to be a clear-cut answer. Um, discounting will be the obvious way to clear the stock. Um, but obviously, there's more issues behind that um, with margins and capital, freeing up cash and also warehousing. Um, I think retailers will use the same data and insights as we mentioned earlier um, about the sales forecasting and start doing a lot more on stock, surplus stock, 
um, they'll have to do a lot more stock modeling scenarios um, to find the best way to minimize the surplus stock, um, whether that is um, putting in a sale or keeping it in the warehouse for next season um, or potentially moving it along to off-price retailers like TK Maxx, for example, um, or using other other ways um, to, to write all that stock, um, potentially giving it to charities um, as well could be a good way to, to use some positive PR around them too. Yeah, and I think crucial to it is obviously the level of agility that's needed. Um, so obviously no one knows what the new normal is going to look like, but retailers will have to set themselves up to be able to adapt to what that new normal is. Um, what do we feel that retailers can do in, to help with that agility? Yes, yeah, so, so it's really interesting because one of the um, lockdown winners in the fashion space was Boohoo. Uh, so they actually have announced um, like for like positive sales in the month of April, which is crazy because there was a month where the UK was on total lockdown. But the reason they've been able to do that is because they've got a supply chain that can react. So they can immediately uh, change what's on their website and change their supply, uh, the actions going on in their supply base to move fabrics instead of making, you know, outerwear, they can start making leisure wear, et cetera. Uh, so one of the key things is, is going to be reacting to the agility of your supply chain and your supply base. Um, so I think we're, we're very likely to see a bit more local sourcing than we've seen previously. Typically, retailers can get uh, products from Europe or uh, Near East a lot faster than they can the Far East. So we're probably going to see a lot more local sourcing, um, which will be great. Um, Yeah, I think we're just also just going to see a lot more innovation on speed to market, uh, people bringing products, uh, buying products much closer to when they're expecting the customer to sell them, et cetera, buy them, et cetera. 100% and I think in fashion as well especially luxury fashion there's been a lot of um, conversation about challenging um, the traditional um, seasonal calendar so I think we're going to see a lot of change in the way retailers launch new product and buy new product whether that's three or four times a season or having smaller drops and be more agile and flexible Um, so that's going to be an interesting space definitely. I think we'll, what will be critical all the way through this is, as we said a little bit earlier on, is just staying really close to, to, to customers and understanding what those changing um, patterns of interest and, and patterns of shopping are. Um, having that as a guiding principle and then being very, very flexible and fast in, in how you react to that, how you quite aggressively pilot and then adopt change across your estate or across your categories is going to be key. Um Retailers have been talking quite a bit recently about how they have found some agility in the last six or eight weeks to to do things they didn't think they'd ever be able to do at pace. So I think that's really picking up. Um, I would dare to say that that, there was nothing easy about it and nothing painless about it. But when some of this is government mandated, um, it's relatively straightforward as to the next course of action. I think the rest of 2020 is going to be far more um, challenging and, and some of those skills that have been learned in that time are really going to need to come to come to the fore um, so, we, so the retailers can then adjust them and start to adapt, whether that is, uh, as, as Holly said, uh, changing their supply base and, and some of their um, sourcing strategy 
whether it's changing their operation and, and updating it, whether it's changing their, their store proposition and, and store estate. And some of that agility is really going to need to be required to, um, to, to keep going. Yeah, ultimately, the COVID pandemic's forced the whole CPR industry to review its markets, its operating model, um, and ultimately reassess consumer preferences and behaviour. Um, we're seeing a real pattern shift in the way we consume and the way we think about consumption, um, which is leading to a really stark shift in buying behaviour. And many of these changes may turn out to be permanent. So retailers will definitely have to keep considering the impact of the shift of these trends, both in the medium term, but also the long term. Um, and if people and listeners would like to find out more, they can uh, check out the COVID-19 in the Consumer Report um, to learn more about these trends and the long-term impact. So that's unfortunately all we have time for this week. And thank you to our guests for their valuable insight. And thank you to all the listeners at home for tuning in. As always, to stay up to date with our future episodes, you can subscribe to the Cap Gemini podcast using your favourite podcasting app, such as SoundCloud, iTunes or Stitcher.